Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, old man Grognard here, hope you're all doing well, it's a nice day. Okay, today I want to talk about narrative and when to give it up, and we'll talk about that right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, as usual, my mind is a muddle over this, but we will try and hash through it. I recently watched a video by The Basic Expert, and he talked about how some how new players can sometimes just don't understand old-school OSR gaming. And he brings up some valid points, um, one of which I kind of latched on to is about the narrative. He basically comparing something like an older module versus a newer module and things like that. But, actually, there's no but about it. I just want to hit on this point. The point being um, the narrative. The narrative in a, say, a module. I'm going to say module because, you know, you can apply this to, to homebrew stuff. Mostly to modules, though. We're talking about stuff that Watsy puts out for the current edition or whatever. And it also, to me, is a great reason why third-party stuff is more popular than the actual and the actual current edition stuff out of Watsi, because Watsi tends to favor a narrative. They tend to favor a. I'm not going to say a railroad, but it it's just a. It's not. It's not really sandbox. It's just you know the players do this, players do that. And it goes on, so on and so forth. Now that's that's fine, well and good, I guess. But you know, the, see, it used to be to me, it used to be worse than the TSR days. There were modules out there, and I think there are a few Watsi modules out there that would just railroad the hell out of you. I'm looking at you, Dragonlance, and it just you know they got to do this or this doesn't happen. Got to do this or that doesn't happen. And basically, it's a narrative. And to me, a lot of current edition DMs buy into that because I just feel that, okay, well, this is the way the game is run. So this is the game is run. They don't realize there's more than one way to do a game. I favor Sandbox because I want the players to take the lead, not the narrative. I mean, if they, they want to follow the narrative, that is fine and dandy with me. We'll just, you know, do it like that. But they always have the agency to go wherever, okay? And, you know, a lot of, a lot of recent GMs have problem with that because it's not, they don't have, it's, it's all about control. It really is. Because I don't think that people nowadays, or rather gamers, you know, current gamers nowadays, I really don't think that they they want to let go of it. They don't realize the game is a game not only for the GM, but for the players at the table too. It's a cooperative thing. 
Now, yes, the GM has a lot more to do. He has to set it up, give them problems, and basically narrate what happens. But they will narrate to him what they are doing. And he should add to that and go back and forth. That's how a, that's how a game is played in this game. And, you know, I, for a little bit, I understand that. Just a little tiny bit, I understand that. Because, you know, if that's the way you were taught, that's the way you were taught. And, you know, you've got to be able to say, hey, you know, there's more than one way to do this. Just set up a set. What you do, what you should do is set up a situation, plop your players down in it and see how they react. And that's how the story moves forward. Okay. And a, an adjunct, adjunct, an adjunct to this. I knew I'd get that word. Adjunct to this is dice rolls. Dice rolls and tables and things like that. Mostly dice rolls. A lot of, a lot of GMs, new GMs, or, you know, current edition GMs do not want to, to stop or to, to give, give into the dice rolls, which is their prerogative, really. I mean, that's a, G, that's always a GM's prerogative. You can roll something and say, no, I don't like that in my mind and I want something else. You know, now I'm not advocating something pre-written in your head that you force to happen. This is kind of things like, oh, the stars are right. This could happen. You know, gauge the table, gauge the table and see what your, your players are, are thinking and doing. And if it fits what you think should happen, go for it. If not, roll some dice. And if you don't like that, pick them up and roll them again. You don't have to tell them what you're doing. You don't have to say, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to do it again. Just go, okay, okay, throw it down the tower again, okay. And finally, you may come up with something. Or just pull it off the top of your head considering what's going on at the table at the time. Okay, got that? At the time. This is not prep. This is not you sitting before the game going, I want them to do this. I want this to happen and that to happen. Remember, I've told you before, the things you plan don't always survive the, the table, don't survive the session. So you must, you, must, you must remember that. But if you can make something match up to what you want to do, even roughly, go ahead and do it. But don't force it. You can't force it. And I think that's one of the reasons why people don't like dice rolls. Because they feel like they're being forced to do something. They're for, you're not, here's, here's a clue. You, the GM is not forced to do anything. The players are not forced to do anything. It's all a cooperative yin and yang, back and forth, because yes, the players are personalities and they have agency, but guess what? The GM has agency too, to a certain extent. This is one of the reasons why I don't like rolling in front of players. I want to roll from behind the screen. I mean, yeah, it sounds like, oh, you're cheating. No, I'm not. I am not cheating. I am trying to give the players the best, the best game I can. And in return, they are going to try their best to, to play the game as best they can. Okay? This is not, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is this is not a one-sided deal. Okay? You got that? It's not a one-sided deal. Now, I may sound a little ranty right now, but 
I, I believe me, I'm I'm not trying to be. I just get a little passionate about stuff like this sometimes. So you've got to understand that. I'm starting to get to the point where there's always be a con- going to be a contention in the direction of the game by the GM and the players. Not content. Well, you know what? There's always tension there. And you know what? That's good. That is good for the GM, good for the players, good for the session, good for the table. It's just it because that keeps everybody on their toes. If they know they're not going to get their way all the time, that includes the GM, then they're going to really pay attention and really play the game. And it is going to be a better game all around because you just try and try and try and boom, something happens. Hey, you're going to remember that for a long time. Whatever happened to that game, you know. You're going to remember how you gave that orc chieftain a wedgie or something like that, something to that effect. And, you know, it wasn't expected. And somebody says, I'm going to sneak up to him. And, and yeah, there's some die rolling involved. So if you want to sneak, if you want to sneak up to backstab something, there's always die roll involved there. Uh, but if, oh, okay, I want to give that orc chieftain a wedgie, uh, and it's the thief, and he, and I, you know, it's like, all right, roll your hide, roll your sneak, whatever you have to roll. And if it works, go ahead. You know, and next thing you know, he's got a wedgie. So, you know, that's the kind of thing. You didn't expect that, but if this, like I said, the stars are right, it'll happen. And to me, the game is better for it. These are the kind of things that make me really not like being what I call module bound. I've been module bound in a campaign before. I didn't like it. I, if I, I don't mind. I'm, look, I'm not saying I don't mind using modules. Not at all. It's just I don't want to have to rely on them every single session, every single week, every single campaign. I've had games like that. Uh, what comes to mind is Call of, Cth- Call of Cthulhu. I used to run a Call of Cthulhu campaign, and it was very, very, very module-bound. And I think that is because of my inexperience and and with the game, because I just felt like I couldn't write a session. I couldn't write a session for this game. I start. I'm starting to feel that way with Hyperborea, but I'm getting out of it because it also it also has to do with like published published back uh, published campaign worlds and your own. My own, I have no problem. You know, I can come up with something. I can adapt again modules. I can adapt a module to that, but I don't have to. But something like Hyperborea or Call of Cthulhu, it's just those worlds to me are so very specific that it it kind of unnerves me a little. In fact, when I first started writing, running Hyperborea, I remember my first group, after the second session, one of the players came up to me and says, this doesn't seem like very sword and sorcery. It just seems like a regular D&D game. That kind of unnerved me. And that ever since then, it's like, okay, why don't I stick to the module? What's this module do? How do I do this? And okay, this world should have that. And, and okay, is it got the requisite amount of stuff in it? It's supposed to, no, you, you can't think that way. What you got to think of is a good adventure. And then you bend it. You bend it to your will. You bend it to the player's will. You bend it to the campaign. Even if you have to adapt a module, you can't adapt a module that way. 
If you ha- if I took a, I don't know, uh, keep on the borderlands and wanted to run in Hyperborea, I could do it with very, very little change. I would just add a few more things that are more Conan-y, as, as you may say. I always seem to throw a giant snake in there for him to fight. But that's me. Uh, and I would, I would ease, I could easily get rid of the demi-humans. I could easily just make it all human. That's the main part with that. I'd have to make it entirely human because there are no demi-humans in, in Hyperborea, which, which makes sense. So I could bend that to my will. Or what I would do is I've got, as of this recording, I've got all of the Hyperborea modules. And that's when I sit down and start going through them and think, not only can I use this module, but I also would think, hmm, how could I take stuff out of this and use it and use it as a basis for what I want to write? Because it's it's that kind of thing. Take the inspiration from the module. Sure, just make it your own. Which is funny because, like, if I was playing regular, if I was running regular D anD D, and I they were in, say, the Forgotten Realms, I would have no trouble with that because I know it. I know the I know the word because to me it's it's generic D anD D or Mistara. Even Mistara would be easy easier. It's just if you get the you get the feeling I'm putting what I'm trying to say is don't do like I do. <laughs> no, what I'm trying to say is it's. It's just you put too don't put too much onus on yourself. It, that's what it really comes down to. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to make the perfect Hyperborea module or perfect Call of Cthulhu module or perfect Forgotten Realms module adventure, I should say, for that man for that matter. Just you know, do what you're going to do. If you're going to adapt a module, adapt a module. If you're going to run a module, run a module, and don't worry about it. Worry about it in the prep a little bit, enough to change to what you want, and then go for it. I've done a couple of, and since then, I've done a couple of Hyperborea session campaigns that turned out really, really good. See, my friend Carlos is real good at this. He runs our fifth edition Everon game and on Mondays. But one time I gave him, or rather he got... Uh, second edition Hyperborea. And he took a module that I gave him to look at, and doggone it, didn't he come up with a great campaign for that? Off the, mostly, he started with the module, but then he went off on his own, and he did his own thing. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I want to be able to do that. I don't know why. You know, everybody has their hang-ups as a, as a person, as a GM, or whatever. But this is something I'm constantly working towards, and that's what you should think of. Don't put yourself on such pressure for that. And and, and once again, the, uh, I talked about the narrative. Don't worry about the narrative. I think more people should play sandbox games. Even if they use narrative games a lot, they do the narrative thing, they should play a, a sandbox game every once in a while just to keep them limber, fresh, and you know on point. Anyway, I gotta go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognard at gmail.com, or you can drop me a voicemail at Spotify for Podcasters. I gotta I'm trying to break myself of that and you know say it when, when I'm, I keep saying anchor. So Spotify for Podcasters. But if, and uh, you know, we are monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. I would thank you. 
Uh, for single donations, go to my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard, or my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Soros, Juan Carlos Luella, Benjamin Brodell, John Allen Large, and Aaron. Thank you, guys. You are gold. Other good podcasts. Dan Gregg's The Young, Y-U-N-G, Young Grognard Podcast. Kevin at the Red Caps Podcast. We have Daniel Norton's Bandit's Keep Podcast. Randy and Joe's Biggest Geekest Podcast. Big John Allen Large's The Red Dice Diaries. And my friend Eric Tankar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air. <laughs>